And I didn't want that to stop. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you once again for being here. Let's look in the word of the Lord this morning. I want you to go over to Luke, the second chapter. Luke, the second chapter. Luke 2. Let's invite the presence of the Lord. And this is the time and the season in which we celebrate the coming of the Lord. We just want to thank him today. For his mercy. Lord, we just want to thank you today, God, for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, we just ask for revelation, knowledge, and understanding, Lord, not only to come to us, Lord, but through us. For, Lord, we understand our purpose, Lord God, is to know you and, Lord, to make you known. And so, Father, I just pray for, Lord, the anointing that causes eyes to open so that we may see clearly the purpose that you have in front of us. I ask, Father, for the anointing on your, on your servant, because we know your word is anointed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to read the Christmas story here in Luke, the second chapter, and let's go down a few verses here. It says, it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Cornelius was governor, governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone in his own city. Verse 4 of the second chapter of Luke. Joseph went also, or also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel a, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them in the heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem to see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen and were told. Wow. Amen. The birth of Christ was first revealed to shepherds. This is not a message, but it is a message. 
Why the shepherds? They were out in the field. Notice what they did after they received the revelation that Christ had come. They went and spread the news abroad. They began to share the good news of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to all the world. Is that not the purpose and the calling of every shepherd in, in the house of the Lord? Is to proclaim Jesus Christ. Amen? And declare to the world He has come. That we need to give God praise. That we need to understand we have peace. And that there's goodwill toward all men. But I want you to notice here the backdrop and the setting. And again, this is just to kind of lead into where we're going today. And where we're going today is making room for the King. Making room for the King. So, but we got we to get the setup. You notice there, there was a decree that went forth that there would be a census. Now, as we see that, what we see is that 700 years before Jesus Christ came, there was a prophecy that came to Micah. And the prophecy was that there would be, the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. The problem was, is Mary and Joseph were living in Nazareth, 90 miles away. 90 miles away, there she is in her ninth month, her third trimester, her third trimester, and now the Lord has to get her down to Bethlehem because that's where he said she would be born. Now, he could have maybe spoke to them and said, look, I need you to Pack up and make your way down there, and possibly they would have obeyed. But I don't know about you, because if you've ever been with a mother in her third trimester, and the closer it gets to that moment of delivery, you do not, you need Jesus. <laughs> you need him in a big way. You start singing that song, Jesus, take the wheel. So, what you step into as a supporting husband is, yes, dear, whatever you need, dear, it doesn't matter, dear, whatever you want, dear, dear, pickles in the middle of the night, peanut butter for breakfast, I don't care, whatever you want, just, you can have it. But see, he had to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. Now, 90 miles doesn't seem like very far when you're driving our new vehicles or even an older vehicle. You're, trans you're moving. But when you have to walk and trek 90 miles through rough country and rough terrain, it's going to take you, if you're speed walking, you can get there in four days. Likely, it's going to take you about two weeks. So she is eight and a half months pregnant. She's got to get to Bethlehem. Circumstance could have persuaded them to stay. Even at the command of God, it could have persuaded them to just to hang tight. But instead, there was a decree. There was a man-made system put in place. God said, I'll use that to accomplish my will. Mm. I will use that to get them from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem and for them to make that trek all the way down there. Who knew 
knowing that the census was for one reason, not just to count the populace and the population of the people, but it's so that the Roman government could have the taxes. Who knew that the Lord was going to use the IRS to accomplish His will? But see, He took the man-made systems and He used that to accomplish His task. He could have chose other methods, but instead He used that. How many of us, when we're trekking along and we're making our journey, when we get to the point where God tells us we need to be, it doesn't look like we thought it should look? It doesn't seem quite like this, is, this should be the thing and what it took to get us there. I got to thinking about the, the Israelites when they left Egypt. The Lord didn't tell them the path, and there only Moses was the one who had ventured out into the wilderness and Possibly he understood the direction they were headed when they went to the Red Sea. Now all of a sudden they are panicking. The Lord has brought us out of Egypt so he can kill us. What are we going to do? But what the Lord was doing was staging a conflict. And he wanted that Red Sea that looked like an impossibility. That now that they were going to be destroyed was going to be the very vehicle God used to destroy their enemies. See, so I throw that in there just to say, I mean, it always looked like we think it should look like. Ask Naaman as he went to the River Jordan. And his servant finally told him, you want to be healed of leprosy? What if, the, what if they would have told you to do something difficult? Would you have done it? Oh, absolutely. Well, why not do something simple? Go dip seven times in the Jordan. Do what you can do and watch what God will do. Amen? So he did in obedience, but that's just a side note. So there was a census that was taken, that took place. As we look here, I want you to notice something here. She brought forth her firstborn son. In fact, let's skip ahead. I'm gonna, I want to move, I want to move uh, on ahead, and we're going to come back to that. I want you to notice when they got there to Bethlehem, it's not a very populated city. It was a very, very small. Um, Hamlet, if you will, it's a very small outskirts of, of Jerusalem, of a very small city. And so this census takes place, and every person had to make their way back to their ancestral ground. We see that Joseph and, and Mary are both from the tribe of Judah. They're living in Nazareth, and, and it was a protected point at one time in history. There was a group of of, of, of uh, tribe of Judah that, that migrated there. It's actually part of the tribe of Zebulun, but nonetheless, they had to make their way to Bethlehem in order to be, in order to be counted in the census. And it wasn't an option. It had to happen. So they make their way down there, and of course, when they get there, there's not a place for them to stay. We heard the story and we, we understand that they were, they, we know that they were in some stable. They were in the barnyard. They were, it could have been the lower level of the house. It could have been in a cave. It could have been an actual barn. We don't have that, that data there. We don't have the understanding there or the history. But what we do know is they are, they are out there in a only place that was available for them. Because there was no room for them in the house. There was no room for them to lay their head. Didn't seem to be a concern the fact that she is 
there with child ready to deliver, nonetheless, we're out of room in this place. And so now you've got to go over and you've got to, the only thing I can offer you is the stables. And so they go into the stables. Now, as we look at this passage here and we look at this, we look at this verse of Scripture, I want to bring it into a personal application for you and I. Because I do believe that 2024 is going to be a year of transformation. 2023 has been a year as we have, we as a body of Christ, we have suffered the loss of many individuals in this house for one reason or another. Then I'm talking about those who have parted and went home to be with the Lord. It's been a year of loss, a year of decrease, but I want you to know God never leads to a crucifixion that he doesn't have a resurrection in mind. And I do believe that 2024 is going to be a year of transformation, and I'm looking for that. I, the Lord whispered this to me in my spirit at prayer just a few days ago, and so I'm going to lock in on that, and I'm going to believe that God is going to bring transformation to this house, amen? Because it is time. It may not look like I think it ought to look. It may not appear the way I think it ought to appear. God may use some more man-made systems to get us there, but I believe believe, folks, that God is going to do a work in this house. He's going to continue his work. But we've got to make room for the Lord in our walk and in our talk. How do we start with making room for the king? Why don't we start by opening the door? Anybody recall when the Lord spoke to the churches in Revelation? He said, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him. I will commune with him. Now we use that as an evangelistic text, do we not? God's standing at the door of the heart of humanity and he's knocking and saying, if you'll open, I'll come into you. And yes, we can use that in that manner. But if we look at what the text is referring to is said the church. He's standing at the door of his own house trying to get in to that house. Mm. Do you want to make room for the Lord? Do you want to see a transformation in your family? Do you want to see a transformation in a generation? Do you want to see a transformation in, in a, a generation and in a nation? It begins right here, folks. It begins with us opening the door. And the Lord said, he, he told the church at Laodicea, he said, look, you're, you're, you're full. In fact, let me read it to you. And the angel of the Lord of Laodicea write, these things says the, 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 the amen. <laughs> The faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich. To become wealthy, have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy 
from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may, be, may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salves that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come into him, dine with him and he with me. To him, whoever comes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father at his throne. He starts with opening that door. But see, how does the Lord knock on our door today? If you will hear my voice. See, he stands at the door and he said, if you will hear his voice, how, does, how do we open the door? How is God knocking, I should say? He's knocking by his voice, the voice of his word. He is the saying to you and I, open up to the word of God. Jesus tells us in John 15, if you are in me and my word abides in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done. What does it mean to open ourselves to the word? It means that we are governed by the word of God. We, we have issued a 90-day Bible reading challenge. Oh, what if I can't get it done in 90 days? What if you get it done in 60 what if it takes you 120 days? What if it takes you six months? The point being, if you will saturate yourself with the Word of God, it's going to do you more harm than good, more good than harm. <laughs> it's going to do harm to your, to your lower nature, but it's going to, are you hearing me? It's going to mess you up. You know what? How do you eat an elephant? How do you devour the Word of God? One word at a time. Start reading the Word of God. You may discover you can do more than you even thought you could do. I challenge you. I challenge you. It may take a little bit of less of something else to gain more of this. You know, 18, 20 chapters a day. That may be more than some of you have read in a year. It might just help you. <laughs> You, you have been watch, binge watched many shows. I'm challenging you to binge the Bible. Amen? Are you going to comprehend everything? No, but my Lord, it's going to saturate your mind and set you on a path. What you're doing is you're opening the book and wait a minute. Now, now I've got to take the book and I've stopped reading it. And now it started reading me. And now my life is starting to change because... I'm governing myself not by the things of the world, but I'm governing myself by the Word of God. So I challenge you. Take the 90-J challenge. Some of you, we're going to start the first of the year. I'm giving you a head start. <laughs> you can come back and say, I got it done in, in 89 weeks. I didn't count that one from 2023. <laughs> Days, come on now. It's Christmas. See, there was no room, there was no room in the inn. There was no room in the house. One of the saddest statements I, we see in a scenario when the king comes forth, takes his throne, they start cleaning out the house. 
of God, they discover something in there. They discovered the book. <laughs> they were going to the temple and worshiping, but they lost the book in the house. Church of America, if we lost the book in the house, if we can get back to the book, we get back to the Word of God. Start making room for the Lord. How do we do that? We do it by start opening our, we start opening up our hearts. We start opening up, start giving God some time. We see that there was a Shunammite woman that the prophet would pass by, and she said, "Oh, let's make a, let's make an upper room, a, a little upper room for the for the prophet when he passes by." What was she saying? I'm going to make room. For this prophet when he comes. I'm going to make room. Folks, it's time that we make room for the prophetic voice in our own lives. It's, it's time that we set ourselves up to say, God, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to give a little bit of room for the Lord. Oh, are we the church of Laodicea that we're full and, 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 and we don't have need of anything and we don't know that we're blind and naked and, and we are without? And, and, and I know this doesn't sound like a Christmas message, but my Lord, this is the Christmas message. It is Christ has come to you. He wants you to glorify God in your body. He wants you to glorify God in your walk. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have the goodwill that he's afforded to all humanity. You're part of the nations. Amen. So as we look here, we see that the Shunammite, she made room. She not only opened the door, but she created a space. She created a space. And in that space, she put a bed. In that space, she put a table and a chair. In that space, she put a lampstand. You and I need to position ourselves where we make room for God. And say, Lord, we have room for your birth in our own life and new revelation. So we bring him and we set a place. We make room for rest. You know why many times we don't turn the television, the social media, the interaction, the phone off for any length of time? It's because we're afraid of the silence. The silence is deafening in our heart because in the silence we have to deal Self. And it's easier just to get busy and stay busy. But folks, we need a place of rest. The Lord created the earth in six days and he rested upon the seventh. Now, I'm not a seven-day Adventist, but I do believe that there is a rest that remains for the people of God. I believe that you can walk in a faith uh, that you trust God, uh, that six days you labor, but there is a day set aside where you can sit by and you can rest in God. It is a physical, physical way for you and I to be programmed to rest. And we, as children of God, need to live a balanced, healthy life. And to do so, you need rest. You need the physical rest, but you need emotional and mental rest. How are you going to get that? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Are you waiting upon God to renew your strength? Are you going at it full force in your own strength? See, when the Noah opened the window and he let the dove loose, the dove came back because the dove had nowhere to land. It couldn't find rest. Then the dove was released the second time after seven days. And when it came back the second time, it had an olive branch. So it rested for a season on Israel. 
But then it was released the third time. It did not return. But we see the dove resting upon the Son of Man as he steps into that Jordan and John baptizes him. And when he baptized him and he came up out of that water, the heavens opened and the Spirit of the Lord descended upon him like a dove. <laughs> and what does the Lord want to do? He wants to bring the, the, the dove, the Holy Spirit, into our lives so that we can live in a place of rest. But see, folks, the rest and the peace is available to you, but you have the responsibility, the obligation to make a space for God. There was no room in the house. Is there any room in your house? Is there any room in your week? Is there any room in your day? Is there any room in your workplace? Let's make room for the Lord. Do we want to see transformation in our nation, in generations? Then folks, it begins right here. It is as simple as our daily routine. You show me your daily routine and I will show you where you're headed. You show me what, the, what is priority in your life, and I will show you the direction that you're headed. Now, last Sunday, Tim had the audacity to preach the revelation of the point that I made about the eagle. I'm teasing Tim. I didn't see it till I got to talking to Tim. When I was talking to Tim, he was talking about the individuals he ministers to. And the individuals he ministers to, he refuses to declare to them what they declare about themselves. That they are broken, that they are abused, that they are, they are outcast. He said, no, I don't see you that way. I see you as this. I see you as healed and filled and filled with the Holy Spirit and doing what God wants you to do. What was the point of the message? An eagle can see eight times further than a human. See, when you get the vision of God, you can see not just now, but you can see eight times further than the natural eye can see. Would you see, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I have to have a vision for the here and now, right now, in the practicals, because God is a practical God, but he's also a spiritual God. He not only sees where I'm at, but he sees where I'm going. And he said, if you'll put one foot in front of the other, son, if you'll just keep moving in the direction I tell you, you're going to have the fulfillment of that dream. And those dreams will be sitting on the pew with you, and they'll be worshiping God. And those children, those children's children, every generation will follow if you will follow me, I'll give you a vision. It's eight times further than what you can see in your natural eye. And folks, I say to you today, when you come into the house of God, I'm not looking at just where you're at. I'm looking at where you're going. And I know where you're going by the steps you're taking. What you put priority on. When you start putting priority on the things of God and you're faithful in that which is least, then God says, now I can trust you with a much. I can't trust you with the much if you're not going to be faithful in the little because the little things are the testing grounds of your faith. So if you'll be faithful and not do what you know not to do when you're not supposed to be doing it, you will do what you're supposed to do because you understand God is not going to try me in the big things. The big things are His department. The little things are my department. And my department is to break the fish in the loaves and pass it out. That looks like a fish. And pass it out. That looks like a piece of bread. And pass it out. And doing that, God multiplies it. I don't know how he can take my 10% and turn it into an abundance, but he does. Amen. 
I can hold on to the hundred and it will be like sands in my hand. But the Lord has given wisdom to wise men, the magi, that they came and they brought provision to the Lord Jesus on that day. And that provision sustained the king through the time that he would be revealed. Think about it. Wise men still seek him today. I had to do that in the Christmas program one time. It was not pretty. <laughs> Wise men still seek him today. I forgot the rest of it, but anyway. She set a table. She set a table up there. Resting place. Do you have a resting place for the Lord? Do you have a place where the Lord can come and he can rest? He's not tired. But see, his rest feeds my rest. So if I give him a place to rest, can he rest as long as I'm living in this angst? I made this confession, and I'll just confess it again. It was a time in my life in ministry where I was so engrossed with the affairs of the, of the things that are going on that I started whining to the Lord. Anybody ever whine to the Lord? Six of you get your first choice at poinsettias. The rest of you liars have to wait. So I'm there, and I'm just pleading with God. God, won't you fix it? Won't you do something? What's going on? And the Lord said this very simple statement. He said, son, if you want to fellowship with me, you've got to get in the light. I'm not going to fellowship with your darkness. What was he telling me? He was telling me that he is the prince of peace. He's the king of glory. And if I want to talk to him, I've got to speak his language. And his language is faith. <laughs> His language, uh, it, it exudes faith and it'll, it'll produce faith uh, because hearing comes, uh, uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So I started declaring his word and now all of a sudden the anxiety left because now peace came in because I made a place for the Lord to rest. Amen. So we see there, there is a lampstand that is set on top of a table. God gives a, she gave a table and a chair. Now Paul says there, in Corinthians, he said, no wonder for Satan himself back up there. He says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. What are we feasting on? Let's sit and make room for God. It's time that we stop feeding on the slop of the enemy and start feeding upon the rich bread of the living God and start living according to what God desires. Amen? Amen. I hope you're encouraged this wonderful day. <laughs> Amen. Folks, as we see here in his word, she said a lampstand. She said a table and a bed and a lampstand. She made room for the prophet to come. Can we make room for the Lord Jesus? His word is knocking on hearts right now. And he's saying to you, if you'll just make room, my, 
my eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Looking. I'm just looking. Samuel, don't look at their outward appearance because God doesn't see as man sees because God's looking at the heart. What is the Lord speaking to? This is a land where the eyes of the Lord are always fixed upon. There's a physical land of Israel, but I believe also there's a physical heart of man. God is always looking into the heart. We can fool him by our words and our actions, but we'll never fool him with our heart. There were those that showed up, and they served him with their lips, but their heart was far from them. God says, come and buy me gold tried in the fire. What is he saying? I want you to come. There's something precious that I want you to have, and it comes through the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is, it is the knowledge of God. But see, I've got to give the Lord something to work with. I've got to give him a place in my life. I've got to give him a place beyond the hustle and the bustle and the busyness. I need to let the Lord fuel my life. My response to him is faith. His response to me is grace. I can't do anything without the faith that he gives me nor the grace he bestows upon me. Amen? So we got to get to the place where we stop long enough to give God rest in our life and we have a place at the table for the Lord. We just give God the availability of ourselves. Amen. Now all of a sudden life starts shifting and changing. I don't just make the decisions. I include him. We need to give the Lord a place at our table of counsel. And what happens when we start feeding upon the word of God? What we do is God brings the information before he brings the revelation. See, children of God, you start with the information, and there's nothing more enriching, rewarding in my life personally than the revelation of the Lord. If I can see him, in ways I've never seen him before, something comes alive on the inside of me. And when I see the Lord, case in point, somebody shows up and they're like, Lord, we want to follow you. Lord Jesus, we want to follow you. And Jesus makes this statement. He said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Was he, was he playing the pity card? In human mindset, we can, we can think that. Now, was he given the cost of discipleship to that would-be follower? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, how did that fox get that hole? He dug it. You got those dogs? And those dogs go out, and they start digging holes. Yeah. We don't have dogs because flowers are my wife's pets. And a dog disrupts those flowers. Because <laughs> you get that little puppy and he just starts digging. So how do the foxes get the holes? They dig the holes and they crawl into it. They make their own holes many times. How does the birds, how do they get their nest? They go build it. Jesus wasn't show, playing a I'm, I'm giving you my, my, my pity card that I don't have a place. Feel sorry for me. What he was declaring is the cost of discipleship, but more than that, he was declaring, I'll build my own house to lay my own head. 
in the hearts of man. I will create my own place because I am the creator. Now, as you look here, and I, I do have an end to this, so just stay with me. Psalms 132 says this in the Tree of Life version. A song of ascents, Adonai, remembered David all of his afflictions. And how he swore to Adonai and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter into the tent of my house, nor on my bed, nor will I give sleep to my eyes, nor slumber to my eyelids, till I find a place for Adonai, a dwelling for the, for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard in Ephrath, we found it in the fields of Jor. Let us go into his dwelling place. Let us bow at his footstool. Arise, Adonai, to your resting place, you in the ark of your might. David declared, I will not rest until there's a place and an abode for Adonai, the Lord God. And Lord Jesus did not rest until he brought forth. He didn't rest and sit down at the right hand of the Father until he declared to Telestai. It's finished. The house is complete. The sacrifice has been made. Now I can go with my voice of my word, the voice of my prophets, and I can knock on the hearts of men, and they will open, and now I can step into them, and now I can take my abode within them. My question to you today, is there any room in your life for the Lord. Are you too busy about the career? Is it too much about the chaos? Is it, but man, what if you open the door to this knocking this morning and you say, God, I hear what you're saying. It's not just what the man in that soft jacket is saying somebody asked if we could have an altar call so they could lay hands on my jacket I've been pet no less than seven times today it took me three weeks to figure out how to tie a bow tie thank you Sam you came through for me but see the Lord's knocking today he's saying to you there's more to life and what you're living if you're trying to live it outside of the fullness that I have in store for you. The angst and the anxiety that consumes you, that, that is devouring you, that's eating away the, at the very core of your, of your rest and your peace, that's not of God. It's not of God. What he's wanting to do is infuse within you the peace by letting you know you're not in charge. Even though it looks like the government's in charge and they're forcing them to a place that maybe they didn't want to necessarily go. Eight and a half months pregnant, you might not want to make your way. It doesn't say that she was riding a donkey, but I think I'd rather be walking than riding a donkey. I don't know about the pregnancy only from an observation point of view. But I've observed, not always a comfortable state to be in. You don't want to move when you're not in a comfortable state. Well, see, there's times where God uses the things around us because he knows you're not going to go unless I help you along. But he brings you to a place.
And in that place, he's still knocking at the door. He said, would you make some room? See, the sad reality of the end of the age, when we stand before God, it'll simply be this. Did you have faith in Christ? And trust him with your life? Did you make room for God? Many will say to him in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these wonderful things? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do all these wonderful things? And he's going to make this declaration over some. Depart from me, because I never knew you. What does God want from you? He wants you to know him. Paul said, all those attributes that were accredited to me through Judaism, born the you circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Benjamin and a Pharisee and a zealous for the, for the Torah and the instructions of God and all of those things. He said all of that, I mean, he excelled above his contemporaries. He was the man who had the plan. It was all resting upon him. He said all of that is dung. It's waste. It's no good. All he said I want is to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. We look at that and many times avoid it because we don't want to suffer. That's not what Paul is describing. He's describing the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And because you died, now I can live. And it's not my righteousness that I'm living out. It is your righteousness that I'm living out. And oh, why wouldn't we want to welcome the Lord into our place? Lord, I want to make room for you. Amen. Because I want to know you. I want to know you. Forgetting those things that are behind. And we're going to end with this. Many a door is closed today because you can't forget those things that are behind. The things that are behind keep stepping into your today. Keep creeping up, keeping the door closed and locked. Keep reminding you of someone else's failure or your own failure. Someone else's abuse or your own abuse. And it's keeping those doors closed. Paul said, with Christ's forgiveness I receive, I also receive the ability to forget. This is not a boast. I do not boast about this at all. It's just an example that's just, I'm getting this as I'm giving it. Abuse of a stepfather 10 years of my life as a child. The Lord helped me through his forgiveness to overcome this man. Abused me in every possible way. So we go to visit my mother who has been in the nursing home for the last 20 years. We walk in and who shows up that day? 20 years ago. Who shows up that day but this stepfather who was abuser? I went up when I saw him and grabbed him and hugged him. Then Andrea said, don't we hate him? I said, I forgot. 
I saw him this year. We went back to minister to the youth group. Sitting at McDonald's, there's this strange man sitting over in the corner. He gets up and walks out, and I thought, I know who that is. I got up and followed him out. It was him. He walked outside, and life had been rough, rough, rough. Followed him outside. I said, hey, called him by name. He turned. He didn't even know me. I had to introduce myself to him. He said, you're who? I said, Mike. Mike who? He said, Mike Sanders. My Mike? Well, no, that's, pre that's presumptuous. But yes. <laughs> Shook his hand, hugged him, wished him the best, went off. See, with forgiveness, God can help you forget that. You don't have to keep dragging it up into your future. He can so help you to forget who you were by who you are now, by who lives inside of you. How did this start? It starts by hearing his voice, opening the door. Lord, I have a place for you to rest, for your spirit to come and rest. Lord, I have a seat at the table of my council. Lord, I have provided, Lord God, through my disciplines and through my, that's turned into desire, I've, I've gathered the information, Lord. Now I have the, the lampstand set, Lord, so that now you can take the revelation and you can take the oil that's in the lamp and go ahead and put the flame to it. And now the room can be illuminated because now I have made a place for the revelation of God. Amen. See, that's what all the Lord is asking of you and I right now. Father, we just thank you, Lord God. We just thank you, Lord, for your merciful kindness. I thank you, Lord, for this Christmas day. And Lord, we know that historians say that you might have been born in another month. And, but Lord, this day is set aside for your birth. So Lord, we just want to say thank you. We want to say, Lord, thank you for coming and doing what we could never do. Coming to this place. Coming to earth so that we may have life, have it more abundantly. Let us see, Almighty God, that, Lord, you were so adamant. David's heart is you used to reveal the passion you have to build your house. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Musicians, would you come help me right now? Would you come help me right now? You haven't received them. We're going to end this service with communion. I believe these have the bread on the bottom. And get the bread out first, and then the. If you did not receive a, the emblems today, if you will, the ushers are here. Just raise your hand; they'll bring them to you. Hands over here. Anybody in the balcony good?
Would you stand with me? Jesus came because he refused to live without you and I. He's not interested in religion if it replaces our relationship. Now, there's things I religiously do. I religiously take a bath. I religiously go to church. Religion is not the, the bad thing. It's when we let those rituals and religion replace our relationship. And I hope with all of my heart that you go away this house today, in this Christmas time, and all the things that knowing that it's the relationship that Jesus is interested in, the Father is interested in. It's all he's ever been interested in. That's why he came and he lived and he died and he rose again to bring glory to the Father, to reveal the Father so that we may know him and be one with him. Lord, we thank you today for this bread as a symbol of your body. A symbol of the new covenant, Lord God. The Lord, without your sinless sacrifice, and Lord, we would have no reason to rejoice in this time of year or any other time of the year. But because of your sacrifice, and we know that you came the first time, we know that you're coming again gather a people unto yourself. Lord, we thank you today. And we partake, Lord, in remembrance of what you have done for us. And everybody said amen. Let us eat. Like manner at the table, he took the cup. So this is a symbol of my blood. Israelites were not allowed to drink the blood. The blood was the life source of the animal. But the Lord gives this to us so that we know that no other sacrifice can give you life. Life comes from Him. Forgiveness of sin comes from His blood shed blood Lord we thank you for what this cup represents we thank you Lord God and Lord that you bled and you died and you rose again we thank you Lord as we partake Lord we do so in remembrance of you let us drink Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you.
who would commit with me to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give God more room in my life. I'm going to give God more room because the world needs more of God. Hmm? And less of me. Amen. Maybe less than no. Thank you, Lord. With our services are dismissed on Wednesday. Also, uh, prayer meeting next Saturday is dismissed. There'll be no life class on the 31st, but we are having a regular Sunday morning service. And following, we're going to have a meal that you're going to bring, and we're going to eat, and it's going to be great. It's going to be potluck. But I want you to come, and it's a great time of fellowship. There's going to be, uh, we're going to, this is our friend day, and it's also a great way to kick off the, 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 the end of the year or the first of the year. And so I want you to come also January 1st, beginning January 1st, we are, we as a church-wide commitment, we are declaring a fast. Now, you don't have to fast all 21 days, but if you will pick a fast somewhere in there, now, if you don't like sardines, don't fast sardines. So if you don't like, if, you, if you're not going to partake of that anyway, then don't call that a fast. You can declare your own fast. You can do water only. You can do juice only. You can do, I don't know, fast youth. I would encourage you to fast social media for a day or two. Maybe some of you in here need to fast Facebook for a day or two or Instagram or whatever. You declare something that's going you feel is going to cost you, and so in so doing, you're going to replace that time with with prayer, and you're going to ask God that He will not just not looking for a blessing or to wrangle God, but you're saying, Lord, I'm positioning myself because I believe that this is going to be a year of transformation, and I'm ready for it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Where is Lance Simpson? I want Lance to come and dismiss us today in a word of prayer. Thank you so much for being here. I'm getting out of the way uh, because these poinsettias are free game. And let's make sure we got plenty of sacks so everybody grab one on the way out. Thank you, Liz, for putting those together for us. God bless you. Lance, come and dismiss us today in prayer. God bless you. Merry Christmas. We'll see you next Sunday. Uh, if you would, bow your heads. Father, we thank you again, Lord. We thank you for this service. Father, we thank you for, I thank you for each person here today, Lord. Lord, our hearts go out as we celebrate and, and thankful for the sacrifice you made on the cross for us, Lord Jesus. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over every person here today, Father. As they go out and celebrate and spend time with family and friends today, Lord, and tomorrow, Father, just I pray that your Holy Spirit will minister to each and every one of us and remind us the true reason for this season, Lord, is your son Jesus. We thank you, Father. We pray for protection over each one, each, over every person here today as we leave. We love you, Lord. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name.